0: Well, good morning. We're excited to be here. Uh, Mark and I have been talking all week and we feel like it's already Christmas. I mean, it's, see, we're just getting really excited uh, for Sundays. We're getting excited for what the Lord is doing. Uh, the Lord is is bringing uh, people. He's bringing um, gifts. He's bringing new calls. It's really amazing to see what the Lord is doing. And, um, we feel like we sort of stumbled into something accidentally when we sort of combined forces and uh, weren't prepared for what he has. So thank you for being here. Um, we we spend a lot of time praying for you, uh, praying and thinking about you, and uh, and we're so honored that you're here. Um, if you're a first-time uh, visitor, the, the welcome... Uh, Lunch is a great way to get connected. You can also go back to our connections booth, and, and there's connect cards. You can fill those out, sign them in. There's incredible things happening that we want to continue to keep you posted about. One of the things that's happened is that the heat went out this weekend.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know if you call that incredible, but uh, it certainly happened. And so we've been trying to heat this building up for the past four hours. And, um, and so if it starts to chill, we'll just continue to pray that the heat... And The fire of God continues to come uh, as we move here. So uh, bear with us. We're, we're hoping that's going to be fixed next week, right? Yeah. Next week, we'll say it is. All right. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into uh, everything we've got here today. So Heavenly Father, we worship you. We thank you. We give you thanks. We bless your name. Father, we ask that you send your spirit. Would you send your spirit to rest on us, to hover over us, to fill us to the full, to overflowing? Would you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you have for us today? Jesus, we declare, again, this is your church. Have your way. Have your way. Amen. We've been talking about uh, a few different things. We've been talking about the kingdom primarily has been what's been... Uh, undergirding uh, everything, because we believe that there is going to be a, a kingdom advancement. We believe that the kingdom is here, it's, it's now, and it's still to come. That From the moment that Jesus ascended till now, there is this ever-present increase of the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's the kingdom of God here right this moment, and then there's going to be more to come. So it's the now and the still to come. And so we believe that there's going to be an increase because sometimes when the kingdom of God comes, it advances rapidly. And sometimes when the kingdom of God comes, it advances slowly. We've been in a slow season. We've been in a kingdom of God coming slowly, like a slow train coming is what Bob, Bob Dylan called it. And it has, it has come and it's still to come and it's rolling slowly, but we believe there's about to be an advancement of the kingdom of God that is going to, you're going to see an uptick, you're going to see an increase in kingdom activity, you're going to see an increase in the kingdom of God breaking through. We're already beginning to see that. We're already beginning to see the kingdom of God coming more and more in power. And, and so we want to be prepared and not caught off guard for when he comes. And when the kingdom comes. And we want to be able to steward the gift of the kingdom. And so we've been praying and asking the Lord, you know, what are you doing and how are you doing it? Right? Teach me your ways, how you work and how you move is what the psalmist says. And so we're wanting to press in and to to see what he's doing and what he keeps mentioning and what he keeps pressing into. And what he keeps reminding us is that there is a move of God afoot. That God is... Not only on the throne, but he's advancing his kingdom. And when everything around you seems to, to indicate otherwise, that's usually a good tell that the kingdom of God is indeed at hand. And so we believe there is a move of God coming and that we're in the beginning stages of this move and, and we want to be able to steward the move to see what he's doing. And, and we believe that this move of God is going to look a little bit differently than past moves of God. Oftentimes in moves of God that have happened over the last century or so, they've started here in the church and in the pulpit and then they've spilled out. And they've spilled out with some degree of success or not. Yeah. You know, if you're familiar with, uh, with church history and some of the statistics, you know, the Brownsville revival that happened, um, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s was an incredible move of God. And, and thousands, maybe millions of lives We're touched by that. But the sad reality is, is that the city that it's in actually stayed the same, if not got worse. And so we don't want to see that happen. In fact, our prayer is, Lord, please don't let that happen. And I believe that this next move of God is going to be a move from the streets inward instead of from here outward. I believe he's going to be starting it out there. And so what that means is we have to understand a couple of things about how the Lord looks at the streets, how he looks at the world, how he looks at the city. We're going to have to have a better understanding of what he thinks about that so that we can begin to partner with him and begin to see the kingdom coming. I promise you, if you sit here and wait on his kingdom to come, you'll be the last to receive it you will be the last. It'll come eventually. It's going to spill back in here, into the doors of the church. But the Lord has, has broken and he's scattered the church in America. And he's done that on purpose because we just wouldn't get out of the building. Yeah. Wow. And he's wanting us to get out of the building. Yeah. I mean, he'll do things like break the heat. So you'll be uncomfortable in the building. But he's wanting us to get out of the building instead of getting people into the building. You know, it's actually not how the church functioned in the beginning. The church, when they gathered, was a scary thing. It was a scary thing to unbelievers because the Holy Spirit would move and power and and people would prophesy and, and people's sins would be laid bare and there would be fear and trembling amongst the unbelievers. But what happened is we we began to try and intermingle what happens when we gather and what happens when we evangelize. And then we've just turned our gatherings into large evangelism services. And over and over again, we'll hear the same things. Because it was never meant to be that way. When we gather, it's a time of power. It's a time when the Lord's presence comes, where hearts of men are revealed. It's a time that is a, a bit uncomfortable. It's a bit different. It might seem a little messy. So much so that Paul had to write in Corinthians to the church and say, look, look, guys, it's too much. You know, not everyone yell out in tongues at the same time. You know, take it easy. A few here, a few there. Because what was happening is that the Spirit was coming as the people gathered because the people gathering is a conduit of the Spirit. You can experience a portion of the Holy Spirit on your own, but when you combine yourself, unify yourself, join yourself to other people, you begin to experience a greater level of his presence. And so there's two things that I felt like the Lord wanted to talk to us about today. Two two principles of what we're to look for, of how we're supposed to, to steward and, and and expect and see his kingdom coming. So the first is what, what he... Actually, he mentioned this. I didn't, I didn't come up with it. He called it the least of these principle. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. It says this. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, when he will sit on his throne of his glory, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, Into eternal life. That's a big verse. There's a lot in there. It's a a bit intimidating. It mentions things that we don't like to mention. Hell and all of that stuff. And it's a separation of the sheep and the goats. According to Jesus here, one goes with him into everlasting life and one doesn't. Goes to another place. Not a great place. Some call it hell. And so we ought to pay attention to what he says here because this seems to be a big deal to him. And what he mentions and what he says is that there are are a certain people that he hides himself in. Jesus hides himself in a certain people. And and the way that he calls them and the way that he talks to them are the least of these. And that, that is not a derogatory term. What it means is that they're the people that you give the least amount of honor to. They're the people that you overlook the most. So it's not a value term. He's not talking about the people that aren't valued. He's talking about the people that are overlooked. And he says that he's hiding himself in those people. They didn't recognize him. They didn't see it. He's hidden himself in those people. We talk about wanting to be with Jesus, wanting to see Jesus, wanting him to return. And all along, he's hidden himself in the people that walk amongst us. That's an incredible thing. And unless we do things to the least of those, we will miss out on ministering to Jesus. We've talked over and over again about ministry to the Lord. Yes, we come in here, and yes, sometimes we get filled up. That's an accident. It happens as we're ministering unto the Lord. He's so good and he's so kind that that you'll receive from that as well. But the point of this is to minister unto the Lord. The point of gathering is to minister unto the Lord. We're going to spend eternity ministering unto the Lord. And here he says, if you want to minister to me, yes, you can do it in your prayer closet. Yes, you can do it in your time of worship. But if you really want to minister to me, I am out there. I'm in prison, I'm without clothing, I'm without food, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm a stranger, I'm an outcast, I'm a refugee. Those are the people that he's chosen to uniquely hide himself in. There is something about the poor, something about the downtrodden, something about the least of these that he finds so much value and worth in. That it's a combustible moment when we carry the presence of God into the place of God. And He's inviting us to come out. This will be a move of God that happens out there because He's hidden Himself there. And He's wanting this move to be a move of fathering. And, and there is a generation upon generation that are outside that are desperate for fathers. I'm desperate for thee, Father. James 2, 5-7 says it like this. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name which you are called? James is talking to the people and he's saying, you don't understand it. He's talking about preferencing and showing preference and showing place to people that have money and power. Something we all do, something we all want. Every one of us wants to be famous and have money and have power, whether we want to admit it or not. And if we can't have that, then we want to rub shoulders with people that do. And so did the church here that James is talking to. And what does he say? He says, you don't understand it. This is an upside down kingdom. The kingdom of God is hidden in his heirs, and his heirs are the poor. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see. In Proverbs 31, and he says it like this, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and of the needy. Jeremiah 22, three says, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand the oppressor of him who has been robbed. And do not wrong or violence, to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. You see, we minister to the poor, to the least of these, not to make ourselves feel good, not to do some sort of duty that the Lord has told us to. It's not a begrudging thing. It should be, if we have eyes to see, it should be an incredible opportunity mm-hmm. to see the power of God move. You know, I, I used to, to teach a class on... on uh, the gifts of the spirit and how to do all of that and, and I would invite them to come to poor ministry time because when we would minister to the poor it's so easy to see the kingdom of God come it's like cheating and so if they've never experienced a healing if they've never experienced a deliverance if they've never seen that I would always invite them to come out on the streets and you'll be able to see it in fact it's, it's so much easier to see people healed out there than it is in here I mean, it's, it's really amazing when, when, you, when you think about it. And if you haven't experienced praying for the sick and seeing them healed, then I would invite you to leave the building. Because he is desperate for those that are out there. He's leaving us 99, and he's going to the one. And he's inviting us to follow him to them. And this move of God is not going to happen if we have a holy huddle that's gathered here. It's just not going to happen. In fact, I think the opposite will happen. I think what has happened over the past 20 or 30 years will continue to happen. The church has continued to die. It's continued. In fact, and this is going to, to scare, it, sh- it should, it scared me. Um, talking to someone who, who, who is you know, really intimately involved in the underground church in Iran, Afghanistan, and China. What they're seeing and what they're saying is that Jesus is appearing to these people in Iran, Afghanistan, and China. And what he's doing is he's telling them to come here because we're not ready, he says. And they're coming here. And they're coming here to prepare us that should make us a little bit, a little bit frightened, a little bit excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I would wonder if this recent move of, of a, of an influx of Afghan refugees wasn't some sort of undercover mission that the Holy Spirit initiated yeah. to expedite the missionaries coming here. It's out there. Wow. He's in the least of these. And if we want to see him move, and I believe we're here on on the weekend after Thanksgiving because we want to see him move, we're desperate to see him move, then he's going to be moving out there, and we have to join him. Jesus' prayer was, he only did what he saw the Father doing. Well, what if we only go where Jesus is, and he's out there? He's in here, for sure, he's everywhere, we get it. We're not doing theological debating but he's uniquely hidden himself in the poor. So that's the least of these. We need to begin to look for the least of these. Ask the Lord to open your eyes for the least of these. We went out yesterday. Uh, Michael, Pastor Michael, and, and, uh, and Pastor Jason, myself, went out yesterday, and we, we canvassed the area we do this, uh, this feeding ministry the last Saturday of the month. And so before in the morning, we take the trip and we go around and, and we know where the, the uh, unhoused camp out and, and where they're hanging out. And so we were able to do that. And I'll tell you, we were able to see some pretty incredible things. We were able to, we basically had this incredible church service uh, on, the, on the side of the street in a gas station where healings began to take place, where people's callings were ignited, where the kingdom of God broke out. And it was easy. They were hungry. In fact, before we could even get it out of our mouths of what we were doing, they would say, Pastor, pray for us. And they would lock hands. Didn't they? We couldn't even finish. We were trying to give them food, and they didn't want food. They wanted his presence. And they didn't even know what they were saying, but they would grab hands, and they would say, Pray. It was easy. And the reason it was easy is because it's beginning. It's beginning. The move of God is beginning and he's out there. And he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. And the second thing that's gonna help this to happen is what my good friend Rick Norris has termed the each of you principle. Rick is right here. You know, in the, in the scriptures there's, there's the prophets and they pin the prophetic scriptures and those are what I call capital P prophets. And then in Corinthians he tells us that we're all to prophesy. Those are lowercase P prophets but every now and then he'll give us the office of the prophet and those are what I call middle case p prophets rick is a middle case p prophet and he and he deemed this he deemed this term called the each of you principle the each of you principle and you find it in corinthians 1 corinthians 14:26 paul has just given this huge dissertation to the church in corinth and there's it's a mess and there's a tremendous amount of things happening, and, and there's a tremendous amount of sin, and there's a tremendous amount of the moves of God, which is a really interesting thing to think about. And, and so he's talking to them, he's trying to help them, pastor them to how to do this in an appropriate manner, and he talks about all kinds of things. And then he says this to sort of sum it up, to give kind of an insight of, to what it's supposed to look like when we gather. He says it like this, he says, how is it then, brethren... When you come together, each of you has a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for education. There is a principle of the kingdom of God that only happens when you come to the table with what you have. He has given each of us something. None of us are better or higher. Or more called. Each of us is called. And each of us carries a deposit of the kingdom. And when those deposits come together, the amount grows. And Paul is talking to the church and he's saying, how is it when you come together, each of you, each of you bring something to the table. Each of you has a message. Each of you has a tongue. Each of you has an interpretation. That's a pretty good teaching on why we can all speak in tongues, but we're not talking about that. And he's saying each of us has those things. And if we're to go out there, it's gonna take all of us. And it's gonna take the recognition that what you carry is as valuable as what I carry, as what Pastor Michael carries, what Pastor Mark, you name it. Whoever the person is that you've put on your religious pedestal, you carry the same thing that they carry. And you carry something different than what they carry. And you carry that in such a way that it's desperately needed. And so if only, I don't know, 5% of the body of Christ do things, it's not gonna work. And if you didn't know, since Constantine, that's sort of been the model. About 5% doing in the calls and, and, and carrying the parts of the kingdom that they have. It's time for that to change. Yes. They don't have the luxury to do that in Iran and Afghanistan and China. They have to come together, huddle together and, in, in threat because at any moment they could be killed. And they come together and one of them has a word and one of them has a psalm and one of them has a teaching and one of them has a prophecy. And it's the fastest growing church in the world because there's something combustible when each of us comes to the table. It's why we have home churches. Home churches is is a, is a great avenue for each of us to come and bring our gifts to the table. This move is going to start out there amongst the least, it's already starting. We appointed, almost ordained, a drug dealer who was called to be an evangelist yesterday. And he's called to be a pastor. And it was pronounced over him from a young age as he grew up in the church. And the Lord gave us a word of knowledge about that. And it set him on fire. And then he began to bring other people into the feeding. And he's going to become an intern here. But he's waiting. He was just waiting and he was one of the ones when we walked up he said pray for us. Yeah, there we go. Immediately he said it. So They're waiting on us and it's easy but it's going to take us all. In fact I think Aaron you're, you're taking a group yes. right, after, right after church yes, sir. And, uh, and so we're going to have an opportunity right. to, to see it. And so if you haven't seen The Lord move, if it's been a long time, if you've only heard stories, hang out with Aaron today after church. It'll be a good time. You'll see some stuff. What do you think, Mark? I think it's incredible. I think it's amazing.
1: Wow, and I love that, that Aaron, Aaron last week gathered a group of people after church, and they went right around this neighborhood, Cleveland Park, and began to minister. How many how many homes did you get? We, we only got seven houses. The other group got about eleven. Okay. Yeah, and I've got seven so. And so so I tell you what the Lord is doing and how he's preparing people. And uh, he Aaron was telling me yesterday that in this neighborhood there are fifteen hundred in 70-some-odd houses in this neighborhood. In between this neighborhood, Cleveland Park, and McFerrin Park, there are over 10,000 people. It's around around 8,000 people. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. But the awesome thing is, is that the Lord is starting to raise up people who are passionate, who are available, God is doing something. Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? I love that, what Grant is talking about. The fact that it's hidden in the least of these. I love that. Every Tuesday night, there's a group right here from Unite Church that gathers together at War Memorial, the Joshua Movement, that feed the unhoused, they minister to the unhoused, and clothe the unhoused. Every Tuesday night without fail. Also on Monday night, I know that from the vineyard side of our family, people loving Nashville do the same thing out at War Memorial. So there are opportunities to pour in to the lives of the unhoused community. There are opportunities to be able to see what the Lord is doing and to meet him in that place. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? I love that, Grant, how you challenged us this morning. Because the idea that so often we live with this idea that the people that we come across in our lives are just extras in the movie of our lives. That's not true. That's not true. As a matter of fact, I mean, we know this. We know this. Uh, let me get my. Okay. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter, matter is the glory of kings. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But to search out a matter. for the glory of kings. We recognize this when we dive into scripture, don't we? We recognize, especially when we look at the, the Hebrew words and we see how God compacted so much, even in the words. Do we have those same eyes to recognize that God has packed so much in the lives of other people? Do we have eyes to see that it's really not an accident that we're here? You see, it starts in that place. It starts in that place of wonder and expectation and anticipation, and availability on our parts, because God is doing something around us, even right now. It's not an accident, even the person that you're sitting beside that you are unfamiliar with. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? some people, it would be possible to walk into this door and feel that there is no room at the table for them and that would be completely untrue. There is more than enough room for every one of us at God's table. There's more than enough room and you belong and they belong. And when we all come together and we bring our part, we begin to see how God is beginning to connect the dots around us. Every single day of our lives could be the most exciting day that we've ever lived if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. If I honestly believe that my life is what my present circumstances suggest, then I will live a subpar existence that doesn't look anything like the kingdom of God. It's a figment of my own imagination and my own unwillingness to step outside of my own comfort zone. But, but, if I have eyes to see and ears to hear, Every day I can be captivated by the wonder of a God in heaven who is absolutely crazy about you and me and loves us without condition and wants to invite us into what he has established for us. And we can do just that if we've got eyes to see and ears to hear. But it's completely up to us. It's not his fault if we don't do it. In James chapter 2, starting with verse 14. But someone will say, I'm sorry, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Well, I believe that God is one. I believe that God is here. What good is that? Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If I told you that I loved you and didn't do anything to exhibit that, would you believe me? (laughs) Or what if I had those thoughts? What if I had those feelings in my heart, but I never expressed it? Would you know? God is around us all over, and he's connecting the dots. And so our works are a response to the faith that we have in him, in his goodness. It's out of the overflow. It's not, we don't get there by our works. It's faith. Through faith we are saved. In James chapter 4. God is really doing something in this place. And even beyond this, as Grant was talking about, there's this stirring around us in the world around us in our city that we get to be part of. And when we begin to recognize that every single person carries a piece and carries a part. And when I position my heart in such a way where I am not too busy, too preoccupied, too set in my ways that I'm unwilling to learn or even be available, I may miss out on some of the greatest blessings. Because when we align ourselves to what God is doing, then we can partner with him in what he's doing around us. And that's completely up to us. And I love that what Grant was sharing, how they went out and began to minister to these people in the hunger that these men had in them. They were just open and available for that kind of prayer, that touch, those words of knowledge that were released, that exhortation that was released over them. So powerful. Do you believe that you can learn something from every single person you come into contact with? Do you place that value with the people that are even here in this church? Think about all the people that God has uniquely assembled together here for such a time as this. A couple weeks ago in the men's group, this was awesome. Ron, who oversees the men's ministry, had brought a friend, Dino, in here. And Dino, uh, who Ron has known for years in ministry, actually, they went to a church called the Lord's Chapel together years ago. Many of you guys are familiar with the Lord's Chapel if you've lived in this city. But here's the deal. There were three prominent churches In the early 70s, where the outpouring of the Spirit of God just came through these churches. One of them was Belmont Church. And Pastor Don Finto was the pastor of that church at the time. There was also a church right here in East Nashville uh, called uh, the House of Blessing which was also a real prominent church that where an outpouring of the Spirit came. And then the third church was a church called the Lord's Chapel. And this was uh, located on the corner of Old Hickory Boulevard and Granny White Pike, right there in Brentwood. The Lord's Chapel, there was such a move of the Spirit. My spiritual father, John McClendon, grew up in the Lord's Chapel. So even at this gathering, when Dino came, he brought an accordion, by the way. He brought an accordion. We sang worship with an accordion. That was a first. That was a first. Hey, I'm telling you, it was pretty cool. (laughs) The only thing that would have made it better is if I would have been eating some spaghetti. And I'm just saying, just saying. But it was amazing. We sang worship with an accordion. And... And he led us in communion. And as we went around the room and everybody began to share stories, we discovered that so many people were united and connected through the Lord's Chapel. There was that point of connection. Then David Romero, hey, I ended up going to the the Lord's Chapel. You know, Papa Terry was here, and he's like, hey, you know, I was involved there, and then Bethel, and and it's like everybody was connected. But there was a guy that was there. Many of you guys know him as the bucket man in this house. His name is Jim Zimmerman, and we met him. Literally, he was up in a bucket outside the church. That's why we call him the bucket man. He was working on the power lines outside the church. He was on a lift. And one Sunday, he was up there working, and he said, hey, is this a spirit-filled church? He said, well, yes, it is. He goes, well, I want to come and check out the church. Well, he's here all the time. He's from Alabama. And so instantly, as people are going around, Jim is basically aware of the fact that all of these people are connected except me. There's really no connection. And so as they began to share stories about where they're from, Ori Brochet, um, as, as Jim, uh, as Ori began to share that, that at one point he was living in Minnesota and Jim said, wow, I had some cousins living in Minnesota. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, well, what part? And, and he mentioned the, the town. Eeyore. Iota. 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 And, and Ori, uh, he goes, I've got some cousins that live in Iota. And Ori says, wow, I lived in Iota. He goes, as a matter of fact, I went to school there. And he's like, really? He goes, and he goes, what's your cousin's name? And he threw out his cousin's name. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. I went to school with her. I, I graduated with her and I was involved in this and this and this and this with her. And, and Jim... Jim, on the backside of it, he's, he's like kind of, okay, you know, that's cool. You know, kind of like, I don't know if this is even true, you know. Uh, I just met this guy. I mean, like, and, and so he ends up sharing. Yeah, I was there in, in Minnesota for a while, in Yoda, and then I ended up going off to California. And, you know, and he's sharing all of this stuff, even about the instruments that his cousin played. You know, and even, like, her her brother, and he's like, wow, you know, she's got a brother, and you know, let's name that, and all of this other stuff. Well, Jim, so between Wednesday and Sunday last week, Jim had actually reached out to his cousin. And he said, hey, did you end up playing this instrument? Yeah, yeah, I did. Did you know a guy by the name of uh, Ori, Ori Brochet? And he ended up, he was part of your class, and then he ended up going off to California. She's like, no. I didn't know anybody named that, but I, we did have a guy in our class, and who ended up moving out to California. Uh, but but his name wasn't His name was Ron. And so uh, Ron Brockett. And uh, and she's like, but but that that's not your Ori Brochet. So you know Jim is like, okay, you know well, I mean. So he comes back and is like, hey, you know, she knew somebody, but his name was Ron Brockett. He's like, yeah, that's me. When I moved out to California, I changed my name, got a stage name. And look, he ended up showing like his tattoo where he's got Ron on it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So even that, and so the Lord ended up revealing to Jim that Jim, as he's sitting there, felt like the only one outside that he didn't have a piece or a part of this story in connection. But the Lord knew that he was going to be there. Sometimes it takes a little time. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Maybe even the situation that you're currently in that you feel, well, the Lord can't possibly have me here for a reason. Maybe he does. Maybe you haven't been there long enough. Maybe you haven't positioned your heart open enough. Maybe you don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. Maybe it's actually an act of faith in stepping out. In doing that, and when you step into it, press against that, then the Lord will begin to reveal that not only do you have a place at the table, but the Lord wants to use you powerfully, more powerfully than you could possibly imagine. But maybe it's just outside of your own thought patterns and in your own understanding. I love that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So you bring a peace. You bring a part. There's something that you carry That is so absolutely valuable. In James 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? God's got something specific in mind when he designed your neighbor, your brother in Christ. Around this room are different talents, different gift sets. Every single one of us, when we come together, we fit together perfectly well. I love what Grant was talking about. This is that time, this is that season where it's going outside of the four walls. In this place, as we begin to equip people to share their faith. No longer are we just requiring that people go and bring people in. It's about equipping people in their gift set to step into what God has designed them to be. As we begin to empower them and as we work together, we get to go out there and extend the kingdom and then bring them in, right? Isn't that awesome? And then we get to do life together. Then we get to encourage and lift one another up. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? I want to challenge every one of us that even this this week, as we begin to think that What are those places where we can actually take a step out in faith? Even in ourselves, even in our own thought patterns, what's an area, what's a place that this week I can step out in faith? Lord, I trust that you are at work around me. Give me eyes to see where you are at work around me so I can join you in those places. See, many times in my life, I've tried to conjure things up and make things happen in my own power. But if I let God be God and I begin to pray in alignment with the fact that he is God and he is orchestrating all things around me and all I got to do is pay attention to those things. I let him be God and I pray that I've got eyes to see. (laughs) Maybe that's it. That's that stepping out into faith. Stepping out, faith is what? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So if I can be sure of what I hope for, that he's gonna show me something, then I can meet him in that place.